is that particularly with people who've been traumatized, and this goes back to the late 19th century and Freud, that that trauma and those experiences put folks into an altered state. And we need to understand that because we're trying to enable, give people the tools and give them the capabilities to work with what they've experienced, understand it, and be able to go on with the lives that they feel are rewarding and gratifying. Welcome to the latest episode of the Mindfulness Experience podcast. Today, we welcome back a genuinely distinguished guest, Brigadier General Retired, Stephen N. Zanakis. He's a medical doctor, and he's also the new executive director of the American Psychedelic Practitioners Association. That's the APPA. We met in Denver, Colorado at the Psychedelic Science 2023 MAPS convention. Well, I have to say, with decades of clinical experience as an adult, child, and adolescent psychiatrist, Dr. Zanakis has advised some of the highest ranking officials in the Department of Defense and has been an outspoken advocate for ethics and human rights in healthcare. Today, I'm excited to explore his thoughts on the emerging field of psychedelic medicine, the potential impact of a federal task force on substances like ketamine, MDMA, and psilocybin, and the opportunities to treat and help our veterans here in the United States with these and other ethnogens, as well as plant medicines. Today, we're gonna to discuss how the government's Veterans Health Administration, the VHA, can possibly provide some access to these innovative psychiatric treatments through the VHA and maybe some other insurance providers. Please welcome Brigadier General Stephen Zanakis. All right, all right, all right. Hey, welcome back. <laughs> it's so good to, it's so good to have you here and i have to say sir i was so moved touched and inspired by our talk the last time that i really thought uh you know given the fact that i'm a veteran myself and i'm working with veterans and you have a, a lot of insight on the topic uh that you know we could go ahead and 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 maybe you know open this up a little bit more and and talk a little bit more about what we can do to go ahead and help our veterans well, I'm really delighted that you're doing it, and I think it's exactly the right thing to do, Keith. Uh, salute you for all your hard work here. Thank you, sir. Um, I appreciate it. Um, and, uh, you know, while we were in Denver, I mean, that was an amazing, an amazing convention. I'm wondering, uh, you know, how was that for you, given the fact that you're, you know, the new executive director of the APPA? And I'm just wondering if you had any uh, reflections at the moment for those people who might not have had the opportunity to be there. Well, it was very inspiring and it was very encouraging to see and feel the energy at that meeting. And that there are so many different people across the country that are looking at what we can do to improve mental health and to help everyone who lives in this country so that they can have better lives and they have great intentions and they're coming at it with fully conscientious about what they can do so i was very very inspired by it mm. uh well it was uh, inspiring uh 
close to 13,000 people. And uh, there were multiple tracks and the science looks really good. And uh, certainly the efficacy rates and the uh, ability to really help individuals deal with post-traumatic stress disorder is uh, incredible. I'm wondering, you know, given your background, uh, you'd be, a, for many people, you'd be a very unlikely candidate uh, as someone who has served in the military, has been involved uh, at the highest levels with the Department of Defense and so on and so forth. Um, you'd be an unlikely candidate to be involved with psychedelics. And I'm really interested, what drew you uh, to uh, psychedelic medicine? Well, it's ironic that uh, that uh, there would be that opinion or, mm. or uh, thought about me that I'd be unlikely. And I assume that's that really is a legacy of how these substances were criminalized in the early 70s. But in many ways, I'm not an unlikely candidate uh, as, as an army officer and someone who really entered the military during the Vietnam War and has, of course, has been continuing to be engaged now for 50 plus years. Uh, because the Army has, and the military, goes about doing what it needs to do uh, in order to accomplish its mission. And really the best leaders and the best soldiers have been very practical and about their mission and the uh, <clears throat> and what has been required of them to accomplish those missions. And uh, it's uh, understanding that it, we are always committed to what we need to do to make our to help our soldiers and make sure they're healthy and so that we can go about and do our duty. And so there is a part of this that says it fits completely with what we have to do as uh, military officers and figure out what's best for our soldiers and for their families and for all Americans. Mm. And we've done that historically. I mean, frankly, it's how Grant came in and decided that he had to change the way that the Union was conducting its its military operations during the Civil War. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, the legacy here goes back to, uh, from everything I've been uh, was exposed to and taught as a physician uh, about mental health and that what uh, we need to really understand is that particularly with people been traumatized and this goes back to the late 19th century and freud that that trauma and those experiences put folks into an altered state and much of the healing has to do with working with with folks in an altered state in the late 19th century that was induced with hypnosis and sometimes with other substances, but it's a fundamental here. And we need to understand that because we're trying to enable, give people the tools and give them the capabilities to work with what they've experienced, understand it, and be able to go on with the lives that they feel are rewarding and gratifying. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, it's uh, wonderful. And of course, uh, you know, the military has always been at the forefront of uh, technology. And uh, from a biotech viewpoint, uh, I can see how uh, these medicines, certainly given the research that's out there and the work that's been done so far, I mean, that's what the Psychedelic Science Convention was all about, uh, as to how they can really help with, uh, you know, mental health conditions. Can you share your thoughts about uh, the use of ketamine and other psychedelics 
as treatment options for veterans who have mental health conditions and what that you know really looks like and you know i know that there's a lot of studying and a lot of research that's also going on at this time maybe you can provide us some insight there well i think we need to look at this uh from the understanding that there's a complexities of the brain and mind mm -hmm. there are what we know and there's lots that we don't know and uh that uh, uh, when and medication like ketamine is administered that it does in fact induce a state of mind in the subject uh and brings up emotions and brings up different thoughts and uh and and make they can think through what other ways that they can cope uh and and conduct their lives but i think these medications these compounds are effective when there's also a therapy component to that and so that as these thoughts and feelings emerge in a individual's consciousness they can talk about them and they've got also another person that they can give them a perspective that helps them rethink uh what they've typically been doing and and think about a more better ways about going uh conducting their lives so i i feel very strongly that any time a medication or compound is administered that there needs to be therapy with it hmm. and uh, i think that's a a genuinely important area uh to be you know seen to be heard to be recognized and to you know, as uh, I, I like to call it to sort of reboot, reset, reframe and have somebody to go ahead and help you with that, you know, reframe uh, perspective. Um, and I know, uh, you know, I, I, I want to thank you very much for your service and the work that you're doing with the APPA. And I know you have also been involved uh, with a federal task force to monitor emerging substances like MDMA and psilocybin. I'm wondering what your thoughts of you know what the potential impact of such a task force might might be well i think it could be uh, very very positive uh, and that is that in my perspective my view of what happens uh, best in this country it is because uh, we have teamwork and collaboration and we have the best of what our government does and we have the best of all the private sector and the academics and the think tanks and all the commercial enterprises but good things happen because we're an american team mm -hmm. and i think that the federal agencies that are going to be making policies and guidelines uh, have a very important role and they can work with the the academic centers and the clinicians that are also dedicated to uh, helping with these patients and using these various treatments and therapies and that if we can bring them together in a very positive way we're going to get something that's going to be very good for everybody mm. so i'm encouraged by it i think we have uh, leadership in this country that understands that uh, it's not easy. We're a big country. We're a complex country. There's a lot of politics. There's a lot of social forces. But uh, I think that people are trying to do their best, and I have a lot of confidence in that. Hmm. Well, uh, that that that's very good. And and one of the things that jumped out to me was the uh, you know the notion of we being an American team, and certainly as the American Psychedelic Practitioners Association, I'm sure your concern is really looking at not only what the uh, guidelines are for practitioners, 
uh, but also from the viewpoint of being able to support our vets, we're able to go ahead and put in the uh, the the foundation that allows that to happen. You and I talked a little bit before um, you know we started here uh, in this conversation about my uh, veteran background and my role now. I'm doing uh, work with a ketamine center uh, locally and uh, certainly looking to do more work with vets. But one of the things that I'm very aware of is that many vets find the cost of treatment, certainly for ketamine or anything else for that matter, very prohibitive. Uh, I'm also a member of the Heroic Hearts Project. And, you know, we support, you know, veterans uh, to go offshore or to go near shore. And my feeling about that is I would like to see our veterans here in the United States get the kind of support that they need through the VHA. How can the Veterans Health Administration improve access to these treatments in your view, uh, you know, for people that can't afford them and, you know, people now going near shore or offshore. And, you know, I think we should have our vets, you know, treated here. What do you think? I completely agree with you. I think we have an obligation to all those Americans who have served and um, put their lives at risk so that uh, we can have enjoy the freedoms that we have in this country. And I think that's uh, fundamental to what our democracy, our republic, uh, is founded on. Uh, I I find it very difficult to actually digest as a retired senior officer that we have uh, Americans going offshore or nearshore to get treatments uh, for the conditions that uh, and the problems that they're experiencing that uh, are making often their lives making making them unbearable and uh, i don't think that that's right i do think we can provide these treatments and we can develop these treatments and i understand that uh, that's what where we are as we're really developing these treatments but we can develop them in a very methodic way we can be very, very thoughtful about it. We can be conscious about the risks. We have to, we could take uh, calculated ways of moving forward, do them in environments that are controlled, uh, be very, very careful about it and very conscientious and professional and treat these people in here in this country in our veterans uh, hospitals and clinics uh, for what they really are desperate and need and not really ha- let them have go outside, although I think they're, everyone there is trying to do their best as well, but have it done here where we know what's going on and we feel committed to what that they're all getting the best treatment and care that they can. Mm-hmm. So I think we're obligated and I think it can be done. I mean, we do this in the military, in other areas. Uh, we know that we're faced with situations, particularly when we get into conflict, uh, we get into combat, and we've got to do new things. And uh, it seems risky, but we know we can do it very professionally, and we can do it methodically. And there's no reason why we can't do that here. Right. Well, I, I would certainly hope so. Um, you know, I mean, the VHA is the largest. Uh, medical provider in the world. Um, and uh, I'm just wondering, do you see a shift uh, in mental health treatment within the VHA that might include, you know, psychedelic assisted therapy? 
I know that they're uh, talking about it. I know that they're looking at it. They're mm -hmm. thinking about some studies uh, at their particularly at their PTSD center. Mm -hmm. And there, there are some of the medical centers that are really doing studies. They're funded by outside sources. So I think that's positive. Uh, I think that there's been the past couple of years have been more conversations with the federal government and the VHA. They're more open to doing this. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it needs to be accelerated. Mm -hmm. And I think there needs to be a more focused strategic effort here and that uh, it can uh, it will require a major initiative uh, from the leadership in order to accomplish what really is needed and where we're responsible to do for our veterans. Hmm. Well, I, I know that, uh, um, you know, in our my conversations with Rick Doblin, that he was uh, uh, who's head of uh, MAPS, uh, uh, but he was talking about the fact that the VHA uh, is conducting some research into the use of MDMA and psilocybin, but it's very secret research, if you will, uh, because, you know, it's a controversial subject. But yet at the same point, we had Rick Perry at the convention really talk about the vets. You're, you, you come over from that side and certainly you're involved with the American Psychedelic Practitioners Association. And I'm, you know, I'm uh, uh, just, you know, really wondering, um, given the size of the organization, is it just the size or is it just, you know, uh, and, and why aren't insurance providers covering the cost of some of these innovative treatments as well? Uh, given the fact that, I mean, ketamine is le legal in most of the states, but yet we still can't get uh, insurance to go ahead and cover a lot of the cost other than, you know, if it's for pain uh, and uh, as a, an aesthetic. Uh, and I'm just, you know, any any thoughts about that from your view? Well, I think there are two different um, uh, conversations here. One about what the Veterans VA can do mm -hmm. and how it goes about um of being able to develop these uh, treatments and then configure the services across mm -hmm. the system. Mm -hmm. And then I think what happens with the payers and the insurers is uh, how they decide what they're going to pay for is a, a bit of a separate conversation. Mm. Uh, I, I think that uh, what I've seen with the VA uh, in another area, uh, I was an early proponent 20 years ago about the injuries and impairments from traumatic brain injury from the blast concussions. Mm -hmm. And I, we saw early blast concussions. I saw my first patients in 2004, so that was 19 years ago. I, it seemed to me as a clinician that uh, these, these young men, they were young men, amputees, were clearly suffering from problems and that we had a re obligation again both as the military and as a VA to really get ahead of this very quickly and figure out what new diagnostics and new treatments were going to be and I don't think I've seen that move nearly quickly uh, enough over the past 19 20 years as it needs to be done and that's for a number of reasons of how the VA operates how they organize mental health services how they organize their brain services and how they feel urgent about doing what they need to do and understand Again, I mean, look, it's a big organization and anytime right. you take on something new, it's expensive and mm -hmm. you've got to re you've got to train new teams and you've got to reconfigure clinics. It's a major, major initiative. So I, uh, my sense is that 
they're feeling the same kind of challenges when it comes to the psychedelics, to ketamine, and that uh, they're going to go about it in a very methodic way. And uh, it'll be some time before we see uh, these treatments that are going to be delivered broadly enough to everyone who needs it, which I think is, um, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very upset about it, frankly. Hmm. We had two million Americans deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan over 20 years. Hmm. I mean, at least 40% of those people mm -hmm. have been have suffered with brain injuries and emotional problems, PTSD and depression right. from their combat duty. That's 800,000 men and women, hmm. and that's that's enough. That's and they touch what three to four lives each, maybe five lives. That's hmm. a lot of Americans. And uh, I don't think we can wait 15, 20 years for them to get what they need and for them to live out the rest of their life uh, with bearing down with uh, what are the legacies and consequences of those, ex those experiences. So this needs to be fast-tracked. And I think the VA needs to understand that there's a process for doing that and uh, that it can be done. And mm -hmm. it, because it has been done in other areas, we're watching it. Hmm. Uh, particularly with COVID. Mm -hmm. Now, what the insurers do, I think that's something else. Right. Um, and um, uh, what they decide to pay for or how the government then works with the insurers, I think, again, the government has to be decide that it's going to be very uh, proactive with the payers and say to them, we, we need this. Uh, and because the Americans who are suffering with this live in areas of our country where often mental health services are not available. Right. And they live in areas where we've got, unfortunately, too many of them dying from overdoses of opioids mm -hmm. or suicide or gun violence, all sorts of other problems who find that their emotional, psychiatric and brain problems are, are limiting how well they can work. Mm -hmm. and they're interfering with their family lives and uh, with their intimate lives. So I think the government here has got to engage the insurers and payers and say, this is important. This is a public health issue. Mm -hmm. but the health and mental health of our country is, is basic to how vigorous, how mm -hmm. effective, how strong the country is. That's what we learned from COVID. Right, right. And so let's take those lessons and understand that it is as important that Americans, everyone living in this country is healthy and mentally healthy if we're going to be able to function and continue to be strong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, and, and of course, uh, thank you, sir. I, th I, I think what you're saying, um, I totally agree with. And the Surgeon General has, you know, declared uh, uh, loneliness, isolation uh, as uh, one of the biggest uh, health issues. But then, of course, when vets come back, the other big health issue is not only post-traumatic stress disorder, but also suicide, suicidal ideation. We also know that the efficacy rates of SSRIs don't work. Uh, there's a, you know, a, a lot of data out there that really shows how ketamine can help with suicidal ideation and how many of the other psychedelics can help with uh, uh, you know, things like addictions, opioid addiction. Uh, there's even a new study out that uh, is looking at uh, 
uh, psychedelics to treat gambling addiction, you know, uh, as well as alcohol and the other areas that it's uh, really helped with. I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, uh, as, as you lead up the APPA, uh, is there a, a policy area in terms of working with policymakers uh, that can help maybe ensure that these treatments are more widely accessible? uh to veterans as well as other individuals and how do we as you know how do we as citizens how do we get involved how do we really help our vets how do we you know does it mean that we've got to go out to you know washington dc and protest is there a way to get involved and you know i know i'm asking a lot of questions here i'm just as passionate as you are i'm sure but you know what are your thoughts uh, sir so I think I think we've got to have a groundswell, and I think we've got to have the the voice of everyone hmm. uh, speak up and uh, use that voice to make the changes that we know are important for health and mental health. And a very important point here, and we're going to see how we can promote it at our organization, hmm. is that we really do shift the focus to the patients. When you were going through the various studies, mm -hmm. what was uh, what it what it reminded me is that what happens in much of our current environment is we focus on diseases, we focus on diagnoses. There's something to say about that, but mental health really doesn't fit like it does if you've got an infection, or even in some ways if you've got cancer. We're talking about people and their lives and making their lives better and making sure that we understand what the outcome of that is. And the outcome is that they can work. They can have good relationships. They can find themselves enjoying day to day what they all want to enjoy. Mm -hmm. And therefore, they're stronger and their families are stronger and their communities are stronger. This is all part of this current idea of patient-centered care. Mm -hmm. And I think that all the people involved, you and your friends and your colleagues and your fellow veterans and family members need to can really help by speaking to that strongly. It's about the people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's about their lives. Right. And let's think about what we can do to make their lives better. Mm -hmm. Yes, we understand about diseases. But you know, these diagnostic classifications have got real serious limitations. They're mm -hmm. not as clean as it would be like we know that there's a COVID virus out there. That mm -hmm. doesn't fit. So let's talk about the people. And I think that voice is, and you and your friends and colleagues need to be speaking to, the, to that and have our leadership, our political leadership, really put mm -hmm. their muscle behind these ideas. Yeah, I, and I, I totally agree with you. I think the, I think you know, for me, I, I feel like the real gap here is like as we started, and you know, I, I said to you, you know, how does a, how does some, how does a brigadier general, you know, get from the military over to the area of psychedelics? And I know you did that. You know, you did a, you, you had a very, you know, conscious approach to it. You educated yourself. You made sure that this was something that you not only believed in, but you read the material, you read the research, you got involved in it. And I really do believe that there is an education uh, groundswell, as you as you term this groundswell that's needed. And then there's a real requirement 
through that groundswell for policy change and policy reform. And uh, you know, I'm 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 I, I really wanted you on the show, uh, General, uh, because I believe that you're the person that can do that with the American Psychedelic Practitioners Association. That we can go ahead and educate, inform, and really change policy. And I'm really hoping that from you know you, the APPA role that there's an opportunity to influence this. Um, you know, is there a, a, a thought process in that? And and you know, how can we how can we get the information out there to go ahead and I, I'm you got me. I'm 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 signed on. I'll I'll put on the uniform. I'll go ahead and you know talk the talk and walk the walk. Um, I'm just wondering, you know, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk, but there's not a lot of walk, and I'm trying to figure out how to make that happen. Well, I appreciate that. And I, you know, it's a privilege, frankly, to be able to do this. And um, because this is uh, another military mission. Mm -hmm. What do we do yes, for all Americans and about their health and mental health? And uh, I think what we're going to do at APA is we're going to uh, set and put out there what we think are the best practices. We're going to affirm what we uh, see as the outcomes of good treatment and therapy. We're going to talk about what the guidelines should be, both ethically and in terms of being able to select the patients, know who can be helped and what should be provided to those patients. We're going to get it out to everyone to your audience, to your friends and colleagues. We're going to ask you to also go respectively <clears throat> to those government officials that you know and can speak to and tell them this is really important to us. Mm -hmm. We want this. This mm -hmm. is what we think is going to help our lives and help the lives of many people in our families and communities. And we think these are the right ideas. So we're going to set a we're going to set a set of strategies out here. Mm -hmm. We're going to work them in the best way we can, and we're going to build a coalition. So it's us as an organization of practitioners. There are other, and that's a very broad by the uh, family of practitioners. So we're going to get as many of them involved, but there's also all the other advocates, the veterans groups, the groups that you work with, and all the people in the communities that really want better health and mental health services. And we're going to say in this coalition, we're going to make sure that we engage all the people that are really important for guidances, for policies, for procedures and to figure out what reimbursement and compensation to figure out how this gets paid for, but also to understand that, you know, really in the end, we're not only doing good and doing better, we're also probably saving lives and saving money for this country and keeping it stronger. Hmm. So that's going to be our campaign and we're going to have a very strong voice and bring you everyone in that we can to help us get, get those messages out. That's uh, that's wonderful, uh, General. I'm uh, you know I'm uh, I'm really uh, uh, thrilled and uh, very excited that you're uh, leading up uh, the APPA, and uh, I really do believe that from an association viewpoint, it's it's policy, community education, and uh, the ability to uh, go ahead and bring people together uh, to reform. Um, and uh, you know I'm uh, excited 
to have you uh, as a as a leader uh, here and anything I can do, I certainly would like to do. Um, do you think that insurance co companies will eventually start to cover psychedelic assisted therapy in the future? Uh, and, uh, you know, just, you know, swagging it, you know, taking a, a, a guess, uh, you know, when do you think something like that might happen? Well, I think they will. I, it's, uh, I may take a couple of years for this to get on board i mean i think we've got to um hit certain certain decision points like when the fda decides that uh there are indications for mdma and decides there's indications for psilocybin mm -hmm. and then with uh, your voice and other people's voice we get into uh the conversations with uh, again the decision makers and the policymakers and get them to the insurance companies and say, look, this needs to be covered. We're ready to do this. Right. Uh, and, in, and I think for the veterans, it may be that we'll have the private insurers uh, more willing or more able to do that with the mm -hmm. push from the government and uh, from our Congress and our White House and so forth, uh, even perhaps before the VA, because the mm -hmm. VA is going to have to reorganize itself in order to set up these clinics. Right, yeah, and uh, and of course, you know, MDMA is not legal, ketamine is, CAP is, you know, ketamine-assisted therapy is, yeah. and, uh, you know, along that line, I also uh, remember there is a new uh, CPT code that uh, will be available at the beginning of the year to go ahead and cover longer sessions for therapists to go ahead and provide uh, therapy in that regard. So. I think to the point, you know, things have to progress. They have to go ahead and be tethered with some research, some, you know, documents that really show the efficacy rates and the ability to go ahead and do the right thing here rather than to do it very capriciously and, uh, you know, to make the uh, uh, bad decisions. And of course, we know that uh, to your earlier point that the VHA is a huge organization and insurance providers generally uh, follow suit or look to some kind of a guidance from the government and that's maybe where they'll provide it so um you know uh, any other final thoughts as we start to uh you know bring our our time to a close on you know how we can continue raising awareness about the potential benefit of these treatments and combat any stigma that may surround them I think the point is which uh, and that you've already alluded to, which is let's just go about this methodically. Let's go about it conscientiously. Uh, let's take the hype out of the out of the conversation. Uh, let's understand that we've got people that are committed to doing the best thing and uh, that we're going to continue to work in that way uh, so that the right patients get the right treatment at the right time in the best way possible and that's what we're committed to and that's what we need and we're all going to work on this together as a as a team as a community mm -hmm. and i think uh we really i i really do appreciate and salute you keith for bringing a voice to this and the, uh, as you continue to do that i think it's a really big help uh, for us uh, doing what we all know is the right thing to do. Well, thank you uh, very much. And I salute you too, sir. Uh, very much so. Uh, I really appreciate this, Dr. Zanakis. Uh, Stephen, if I, if I may, uh, I hope that we can improve our nation's veterans' access 
to these psychiatric treatments and the you know using these medicines uh, for the best of not only curing PTSD but also helping our communities come together. And I also hope that we can work together uh, to ensure that they receive the kind of care that they uh, deserve. For more information on your work at the APPA and uh, you know the things that you're involved with, or if people want to get involved, how would people get in touch or get involved? What would uh, they do and how would they contact you? So we've got a website up and we've got a whole person involved with community and outreach. Look up the uh, American Psychedelic Practitioners Association. Uh, if you're a practitioner clinician, please join. And uh, we're going to be looking at other ways that we're going to bring in other groups that can help us with the conversation. So uh, it's all there. I hope it, uh, it works as well. We're still, you know, sometimes there's glitches, but we're trying to make sure that this works as well as possible. Thank you, sir. I uh, really appreciate it again. Uh, appreciate your time. I know you're busy with a, a busy schedule. So uh, again, uh, uh, sign me up. Let me know uh, when, you, when you need me, when you want me, and I'm there, okay? Thank you for listening to the Mindfulness Experience Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We have other exciting guests coming up in the next few weeks, so stay tuned. For more mindfulness tips and tricks, visit our website at workmindfulness.com. Thanks again for being a part of the Mindfulness Experience. This is Keith Fiveson.